0: Good morning. You would turn with me to John chapter 1, John 1, 48 and 49. Nathanael said to him, how do you know me? Jesus answered and said to him, before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. And Nathan answered and said to him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God, you are the King of Israel. Jesus would say in Matthew chapter 6, verse 21, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. This morning, I want you to think about treasure. And I want you to think about with me the day that Nathaniel found the greatest treasure. About eight weeks ago, in our Sunday morning class, you know, we've been looking together at kingdom parables. About eight Sundays ago, we looked together at the parables of the hidden treasure and the pearl of great price. And I showed this slide in that Bible class that morning. This is a. a British gentleman. He's an electrical engineer. His name is Paul Raynard. He's the one actually in the background who's waving uh, with the glove on his hand. Paul Raynard, the story goes, is a metal detector enthusiast. He would love to go metal detecting. And he was on vacation. He lives outside of London, but he was vacationing over in Ireland. And uh, he wasn't even really prepared to go out and do any metal detecting on this particular vacation. But he was staying with a friend of his on a farm and his friend had a friend who had lost his wedding ring in a field. And so Paul just happened to be there and and he said, hey, would you bring your metal detector and would you come and can we try to find my buddy's ring? And so uh, they go out and they begin metal detecting and they're looking for a ring and they never find the wedding ring. What they did find was about 85 gold coins dating back to the 1500s. And that stash of coins would get them about anywhere from, they say, uh, you know, you've got some, uh, you've got a currency issue, but around $125,000. They sold these coins to a museum and they made $125,000. So they didn't find the ring, but they found all of these coins. A great treasure was found as they went out and dug in that field. I go back to John chapter 1, and Brother Roger read for us a moment ago about Nathaniel. And if you were to ask Paul Raynard, hey, tell me about the day you found your treasure. He would talk about a day that he and a friend of his went out in, in Ireland and found all of these gold coins. But if you were to ask Nathaniel, hey, tell me about the day you found your treasure. I think he would talk about this day that John describes for us in John chapter 1. The day that he found Jesus. The day that Jesus came into his life. You read about that in John chapter 1 and we're going to be looking in that context more in just a moment. But I also would tell you that the name Nathaniel is found again in the book of John over in chapter 21. So in chapter 1, and then found again over in chapter 21. In John chapter 21, Jesus has been crucified. He has been buried. He has come back to life. And in John chapter 21, the Bible says that Nathanael is with Peter, James, John, Thomas, and two other disciples on the Sea of Tiberias. And Jesus, they go out and fish all night. They catch nothing Jesus comes walking along the seashore the next morning. Hey, have you caught anything? No. Throw throw your net on the other side, on the right side of the boat. And they catch 153 fish and realize that it is Jesus who's come back to life. The point is, we find him come to Jesus in John chapter 21, or John chapter 1, and when you get to John chapter 21, he is still with Jesus. He found something great that day, and he was never willing to give it up. I want you to think about that with me. I want you to examine the Scriptures with me, and we're going to see four things that describe what Nathanael found that day. John chapter 1 is where I hope your Bibles are open. I want you to think with me first of all. What did Nathanael find that day? When Jesus came into his life, what did he find? Number one, Nathanael found what Philip found. This is an interesting way of looking at it, but I want you to think about how the Bible describes this. If you're there in John 1, back up to verse number 43. The Bible says, The following day Jesus wanted to go to Galilee, and he found Philip. He found Philip and said to him, Follow me." Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. They've already been talked about just prior to this context. In verse 45... Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Verse 46, Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? And Philip said to him, Come and see. The word found there is repeated, right? You see that Jesus goes and he finds Philip, and then Philip goes and he finds Nathaniel Nathaniel found what Philip found. This is not a sermon directed at personal evangelism, but this point needs to be made. What what did Nathaniel find? Nathaniel found what Philip found. And I want you to think with me about the fact that what we find is that Jesus comes first to Philip and he says to Philip, "Come and follow me." And now, the very first thing that we read about after that take place is that Philip goes and he finds Nathaniel. And I have the question on the screen. Do you think that that, that was done out of duty? In other words, uh, did Philip think to himself, you know what, I, I just feel like I have a responsibility to go out of duty. I have a, a duty to go and tell my friend Nathaniel about Jesus that I have just found. Or, does it seem most likely that Philip thinks to himself, I must go and find Nathanael. I must. I have this great desire. I have found Jesus. Jesus has found me. I'm going to follow Him. And I have must go and tell my friend Nathanael about Him. Isn't that seem more likely? This great overwhelming desire to go and tell somebody about Jesus this overwhelming desire to go and share the news about the one that has just come into his life. I must go and find someone. And he found Nathaniel. I don't believe it was out of duty. You could say the Great Commission is a responsibility. Go and preach the gospel to every creature. We have a duty. We have a sense of duty to go and obey that command because that is a command that Jesus gives. But more than that, it's a desire. I have to tell somebody about Jesus. I have to go and share this news. And I think that's exactly what we find taking place in Philip that day. I simply must go because of the joy that I feel in finding Jesus myself. I have to share that joy. That's why Paul would say in Philippians 4 and verse 4, Rejoice in the Lord. Always. And again, I say rejoice. Where did Paul find his joy? He found him. He found it in Jesus. And that's where I want to find my joy. Don't you? That's what he found that day. That's the great treasure that we find taking place and what Nathaniel was finding that day. Open your Bibles there. Keep it there in John 1. But go back with me to the book of Psalms. And I want you just to think with me about the joy that we find in the Lord. The joy that we must find in the treasure that is Jesus in our lives. The psalmist says these words, and I just want you to ask yourself as we're reading, do I have this joy? Do I have this same expression? Am I sitting here this morning in the presence of God to worship Him with this kind of thinking in my mind? Make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before His presence with singing. Know that the Lord, He is God. It is He who made us and not we ourselves. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. Enter into His gates with thanksgiving and into His courts with praise. Be thankful to Him and bless His name. For the Lord is good, His mercy is everlasting, and His truth endures to all generations. You see the joy in the psalm? Enter into his gates with gladness, into a Thanksgiving. Serve him with gladness. Come into His presence with joy. It's a cold morning out there, a cold January morning, but it is warm in here. and we should be filled with gladness and joy to come into the presence of God and to know that we have in him our treasure. In Psalm 32 and verse 11, the psalmist has this to say. Just one verse, Psalm 32 and verse 11, summing it all up, Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, you righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. Be glad in the Lord and find your joy in Him. As I find joy in being in Jesus... I will have a greater desire to go and share him with others. If he is not my joy, if I am not glad about the salvation found in him, then it is very less likely that I will go and tell anybody else. But because of him and what he has done for me, we should be filled with great joy. We should be like Philip and find our joy in Jesus and be so excited to go and share him with others. Last Sunday we looked at the Apostle Paul and one of the points that we made about enhancing our abilities. And recall in Acts chapter 20 and verse 24, we looked in that context, I'm not going to rehash it now, but understand that Paul was on his way to Jerusalem and he says uh, to the elders there that are in his presence, he says, the Holy Spirit is telling me everywhere I go that when I get to Jerusalem, chains and tribulation await me. But he says, none of these things move me. Nor do I count my life dear to myself, that I may finish my race with joy. Paul found his joy in Jesus. Evangelism is but an outreach, an expression of the joy that we find in Jesus. Nathanael is going to come to recognize Jesus for who he is. And you can see that sense of excitement that's coming uh, even in the life of Nathanael. But this joy isn't found in Nathaniel's life unless it is first found in Philip's life. Who will I be excited to share Jesus with? Who will come to Jesus because of my joy? Ask yourself that question. Who is going to come to Jesus because of my joy found in Him? Who can I reach with Jesus? What did Nathanael find? Number two, he found the Old Testament fulfilled. I really love this expression where uh, Philip has said to him in verse number 46, I want you to come and see, but prior to that in verse number 45, he comes and he says to his friend Nathanael, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote. We have found the one that Moses was pointing us to into the direction of. We have found the one that the prophets were telling us was coming. Mike mentioned this just a moment ago from John chapter 4. Remember he told the woman at the well that, that the one I'm spe- you're speaking to, I am he... Over in chapter 5, in the book of John, in verse number 39, Jesus would say, You search the Scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. And these are they which testify of Me. What testifies of Me? The Scriptures. You have the Scriptures. And if you will pay attention to what the Scriptures have to say, they testify of Me. I think this is such an exciting point to think when, when uh, Philip comes to his friend Nathaniel, and he says, Nathaniel, I'm not asking you to take my word for it. I'm, I'm telling you that you need to just come and see. But the one that we have found, it's the one that Moses spoke of. It's the one that the prophets were telling us about. And he's here. All the evidence you need to know that this is him, you can go to the Old Testament, you can read about it, and then compare Jesus to what the scriptures say, and you can know that it's him. That's what Philip is telling Nathanael. You can go back and see what it says. This is the one that Moses was talking about. Remember in Deuteronomy chapter 18, verses 15 through 22, in that context, Moses says that God is going to raise up one like me from among your brethren. And when he gets here, you need to listen to him. Moses says, He's coming. He's coming. I'm telling you that he's coming. And now he's here, and that's what Nathanael is finding. Moses wasn't the only one, but the prophet spoke of the one who was to come. Turn back to the book of Isaiah and those familiar words. Don't you just love these words? In Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. Isaiah chapter 9, again, here are the prophets, and they're looking forward to this day. They're looking forward to the one who was coming. This is what the prophet Isaiah said in chapter 9, in verse 6. will perform this. Moses told us this one was coming. The prophets told us that this one was coming. And he's here. What a day to know that he is here. The one that we've been anticipating. The one that everyone said was coming. He is here. Nathaniel, he is here. We found him. Those words, I don't think we can really do justice To really let that sink in and to think as a Jew, as one who knew the Old Testament Scriptures backwards and forwards, who was waiting to hear these words, that this one that was promised, he's here. What a powerful statement that was for Philip to make. For that to really sink in, we need to really give that some thought. Well, again, if I can look at the Old Testament scriptures and I can line up with what they said about the one who is coming, and then I compare that to Jesus, I can know whether or not it's really him or not. Now, I know from Genesis chapter 49 and verse 10, again, Moses would have written these words, but you have Jacob's final blessing to his sons. And as part of that blessing to Judah in Genesis 49 and verse 10, he says, from you the scepter is going to come. From you the lawgiver is going to come. It's going to come from the tribe of Judah. Well, did Jesus come from the tribe of Judah or not? Yes, He did. I'm not going to give you a full extensive list, but here are just a few of the criterion that Jesus would have had to meet. He had to come from the tribe of Judah because that's what the prophet said was going to happen. How about Micah chapter 5 and verse 2? Again, Micah alluded to it just a little bit ago. Micah 5 and verse 2, out of Bethlehem is the the one who is going to come, right? You are least among your brethren, but out of you is going to come the ruler. Micah 5 and verse 2. And so uh, he has to be born in Bethlehem. Was Jesus born in Bethlehem? Yes, he was. We check the box. And again, we could go on and on. Isaiah chapter 7 and verse 14. It was promised that He was going to be born of a virgin. Question for you. Did you have any say in what city you were born in? Did you have any say as to who your mother would be? No. You had no say in that and neither did I. What are the chances? Well, Jesus fulfilled all the prophecy, didn't He? He fulfilled all the prophecy that was made concerning Him in the Old Testament. That doesn't happen by chance. And so again, all, all Phil, Nathaniel is able to see is, uh, does he line up with what the Old Testament prophets had to say, or does he not? And Philip says, he does. All that the Old Testament has to say, he's come, and he's fulfilled it. He's fulfilling it right now in our very presence, Philip is saying. He found what the Old Testament had to say. Jesus is in every corner of the Old Testament But as you and I know today, He's in every corner of the new as well. Isn't that right? You and I are able to look at the Old Testament and we can see in the new, did Jesus really fulfill all of these prophecies? And the answer is yes. And so we can understand that He was the one that was promised. He's the one who came to fulfill all of those prophecies. And now we can have this same trust and confidence in who He is because of what He's done. He's in every corner of the New Testament, my friend. In the New Testament, we find His doctrine. We must not go beyond or transgress the doctrine of Christ, but we must abide in the doctrine of Christ, because those who abide, stay in the doctrine of Christ, have both the Father and the Son. If you go beyond the doctrine of Christ, you have neither the Father nor the Son. And so in the New Testament, we examine the Scriptures, and we find the doctrine of Christ in which we must abide. In the New Testament, we find the church of Christ, the church that belongs to Jesus, right? The one that He promised He would build in Matthew chapter 16 and verse 18, upon this rock, this bedrock of truth that I am the Christ, the Son of God, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. And in Acts chapter 2, we find that church come into existence. And in verse number 47, the Bible says that the saved were added to that church. That's where I want to find myself, don't you? I know all of that because of what the Scriptures say concerning Jesus. I have none of that without the Bible, without the Scriptures. Philip was telling Nathaniel the Old Testament is being fulfilled right here. The one that Moses and the prophets were pointing to, that's the one that I find. And in Him we know that we have our salvation. Acts 4 and verse 12. There is no other name given among men by which we must be saved. Only in the name of Jesus do we find our salvation. There is salvation in no other name. Is he your treasure? Is he really my treasure? That's what Nathaniel found that day, my friend. He found the one that the Old Testament was pointing to, and he could know that Jesus could be his treasure, should be his treasure, because of the Scriptures and what they taught concerning him who was to come. Such a valid and important point that must be made. What did Nathaniel find that day? Number three, he found his faith. He found his faith, but he did not find a blind faith. He found his faith that was based in evidence. Again, these points just kind of build upon one another. But how did Nathaniel come to find faith in Jesus? It was based on the evidence The evidence of what the Scriptures told about Jesus and and how He was going to come and what He was going to be about. Biblical faith is never blind. God does not expect us to just blindly follow Him. But He has provided us with the evidence we need to know who He is and why we should follow Him. It's so important to look at this and understand as you look in number, verse number 47, going back to John chapter 1, Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him, and he said of him, Behold, an Israelite, indeed, in whom is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? Right, Brother Roger read this, How do you know me? And Jesus answered and said to him, Before Philip called you when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. How do you know me? Did Jesus rebuke him for asking that question? How dare you ask that question, Nathaniel? How dare you ask how I would know you? He doesn't do that, does he? He doesn't rebuke him for asking that question, how do you know me? Let me tell you how I know you. Let me offer you evidence. Let me give you proof so that you can believe in me and who I am. He didn't expect him just to blindly follow He's going to prove who he is. I don't know where that fig tree was. I have no idea where it was, where it was located, if it was in the middle of nowhere, if it was in the middle of somewhere busy. I have no idea where the fig tree was that Nathaniel was sitting under. But Nathaniel knew about that fig tree and he knew enough to know nobody could have known where I was. Unless unless he is God. It built his faith. It provided him the evidence that he needed that day to know that Jesus was the Son of God, the King of Israel, the one that the Old Testament had been pointing in the direction of. But biblical faith, my friend, is based in evidence. It's looking at the evidence that is provided in the Word of God and in the world around us and coming to an understanding of who Jesus is. John would say at the end of this same letter, in John chapter 20, verses 30 and 31, that truly Jesus had many other signs in the presence of His disciples which are not written in this book. But these are written. These are written. This is the evidence you need to come to believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. I've written this for proof, for the evidence that you need. Now, back up in that same chapter. Did you go over to chapter 20? Back up in that same chapter to familiar events regarding Thomas. Now, chapter 21. I told you in verse number 2 that we're going to find the name Nathaniel again, and he's going to be with Peter uh, Peter and James and John, and Thomas is mentioned also by name. What's Thomas doing there? Why is he there? How did he come to be there? How is he still a follower of Jesus? We call him the doubter, right? In verse number 19 of John chapter 20, the Bible says that the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst and He said to them, Peace be with you. And when He had said this, He showed them His hands and His side. And the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Why did Jesus show them His hands and side? Evidence. Proof. Continue reading with me. In verse number uh, 20, After showing them his hands and his side, they were glad and when they saw the Lord. And Jesus said to them again, Peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Now Thomas, called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. And the other disciples therefore said to him, "'We have seen the Lord.' So he said to them, "'Unless I see in his hands the print of the nails "'and put my finger into the print of the nails "'and put my hand into his side, I will not believe.' And after eight days his disciples were again inside and Thomas with them, and Jesus came, the doors being shut and stood in the midst, and he said, "'Peace to you.' And he said to Thomas, "'Reach your finger here and look at my hands. "'Reach your hand here and put it into my side.' Do not be unbelieving, but believing. And Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord and my God. And Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you've seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. It's a context of proof. It's a context of evidence. Jesus was there uh, with the doors being shut. All of a sudden he's inside the room with them. And he reaches out his hands and he says, Touch my hands. And he says, Here's my side. That spear was thrust into my side. Look at my side. And they see the hands and they see the side and they believe the evidence is there. Well, Thomas has just been simply saying, I wasn't there. I didn't see his hands. I didn't get to see his side. Does Jesus rebuke him? No, he doesn't. Thomas, look at my hands. Put your fingers here. Look at my side. Put your fingers there. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. Jesus never says, just follow me blindly. He says, I'll give you all the evidence you need to know who I am. That's what we find in God. That's what we find in His precious Word. Before I move from this point... I just want you to see what the psalmist had to say again in very familiar words that I hope will help drive home the point of what we are saying. In Psalm 19, and verse number 1, the evidence that God has provided that we need to know who He is. Who is the Lord? The heavens declare the glory of God. The firmament shows His handiwork. Everything you need to know about God. God says you can look around you. This is the evidence. I made this. That's why Paul would say in Romans chapter 1 and verse 20 that we're without excuse as we look around nature and we see the hand of God and what He has done and what He has made. My faith can be squarely in Him because of what we can see. Nathanael would come to have great faith in Jesus. He would stay with him all the way to the end and beyond. Because of the evidence Jesus provided him. I saw you under that fig tree. That was enough for Nathanael to come to know. And of course then he would follow and see all the signs and hear the teachings of Jesus. And he would stay with him. Here's the final thing I've come to see from this context this morning in John chapter 1. What do we find that Nathaniel found that day in John chapter 1? He found again the one that Philip found. He found again the one that all of Scripture tells us about. He found the one that uh, he was to place his faith in based in evidence. But this might be one of my favorite things I've come to say today, and that is that he found the one who knew him. And I want you to think about it. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him, and he said, Behold, an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. And Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? And he said, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. I know you, an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. And before Philip came, I saw you under that fig tree. I saw you. Nathaniel, I know you. Nathaniel had never seen him before. Jesus, how can you say that you know me? I've never seen you. We've never laid eyes on each other, to my knowledge. I don't recall ever being in your presence until right now. And yet Jesus would say... I know you. The same is true of you and me. My friend, the same is true of you and me. I've never laid eyes on Him. I've never literally been in His presence. We've never physically touched. But Jesus would say of me, Adam, I know you. What a thought to think. I know you. I saw you. I know everything about you. And I go back to the book of Psalms. Again, one more time. And I think about the psalmist and his words in Psalm 139. And I think about God and his relationship with me. And I think about what he sees and what he knows about me. And notice again what the psalmist says and make it personal. Think about this. O Lord, You have searched me and known me. You know my sitting down and my rising up. You understand my thought afar off. You comprehend my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word on my tongue, but behold, O Lord, You know it altogether. You have hedged me behind and before and laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high and I cannot attain it. You know me. You know absolutely everything there is to know about me. You know not only my looks, but you know my thoughts. You know what's going on inside of me. You know what's going on on the outside of me. You know me inside and out. That's what the psalmist says. But he doesn't stop if you drop down to verse 13. For you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works. And that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed and in your book they were all written. The days fashioned for me when as yet there were none of them. You know me. You've known me from before I ever was. You know everything about me. You know all of my days. You know everything that's going to take place. You know everything I'm thinking. You know everything that I'm about. You know me. You know what else he knew? He knew how much I would need him, he knew that I would sin. He knew that I would need to be reconciled. He knew that I was nothing without Him. Do I know that? Am I aware? He knows me. He knows everything about me. He has made me such great and precious promises. Like those of Hebrews 13 and verse 5. Adam, I will will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Adam, others may feel like like you're distant. Uh, You may feel that others are away from you, but I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. In fact, Adam, I want you to know, as Paul would say in Acts 17 and verse 27, that I'm not far from you. You can find me. I, I know you. I know you. You may feel distanced from others, but I'm always here. Your sin separated you from God. I've come to reconcile that relationship. You see, Nathaniel found his treasure that day. You ask Nathaniel, what day was it that you found your treasure? I'll tell you what day I found my treasure. That's the day I found Jesus. Jesus. What about you? Is he your treasure? Is that where your heart really lies? What a day Nathaniel had, and we we're privileged to be able to read and study about it. This morning, my friend, if you're not right with Jesus, He knows. And He came to fix it. And He would plead with you now to come to Him. Come to Him and be found right. This morning, if you, as a child of God, have wandered away from the Lord, and see not your treasure any longer, and you need to make that right, make it right. Come back to Him. Be found right with Him again. See the treasure that Jesus really is. But my friend, if you're not a child of God today, if you're not in a right relationship, He knows. Do you know? And are you ready to come to Him today? leaving Him to be the Christ, the Son of God, weighing the evidence. This morning, being willing to confess your faith in Him as the Son of God, to repent of sin in your life, to turn away from your living, to go from, from asking, who is Jesus? Or, is there anything good that can come out of Nazareth to fully understanding, He's the King, He's the Son of God. Will you turn from your sin to Jesus? Will you be baptized for the forgiveness of your sin? This morning, His salvation is available to all. Will you come to Him today and respond to Him as the Bible tells us to? If you need to, come now and find your treasure in Him.